Welcome to Speaking of Grace, the weekly message podcast from the Whole Life Church in Orlando, Florida. We're a multi-ethnic, multicultural, and multi-generational congregation committed to our mission of loving people into a lifelong friendship with God. We are committed to our vision of being a church without walls, fully engaged in serving the people of our community. Thank you for joining us as we continue Speaking of Grace. Hi there, family. Our uh, text this morning that I'm going to be preaching from comes to us from the book of Isaiah, chapter 54. We're going to look at verse 13. We're going to be looking at it from the New King James Version. And this is what the verse says. All your children shall be taught by the Lord, and great shall be the peace of your children. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want you to speak. I want you to come through loud and clear. Lord, we live in a world that certainly needs peace, and many of us came into this place today feeling angst. We feel anxious, we feel depressed, we feel worried. Some came in here with great joy. Today's a great day today. But however we came in here today, Lord, we pray that we will be instructed by you and that our peace will be great. In your name we ask it. Amen. So I was thinking about this story, and I, it just smacked me in the face that it's been 20 years, <laughs> 20 years since this story first, uh, first happened. Um, but it was, uh, it was shortly after 9-11, maybe a year after 9-11, and uh, Rochelle was teaching in a public school. Rochelle's my wife. Um, and she was teaching first grade in a public school. And she came home one day, and she was, she was kind of distressed. Um, uh, you know, as a reporter, you're not always telling the good news that's happening in the world. And a couple of her students apparently had caught my news report from the night before. Um, and so what was happening was that there was uh, North Korea was saber-rattling. Some of you may not really care that much about that or even think about that, but on Guam, anytime something's happening in Asia, being located right between the Philippines and Japan, um, and being really the, uh, the primary military base for the United States, um, they start thinking when stuff happens in that region. And so uh, what had happened was uh, North Korea had been, had been threatening to, to launch missiles, and they had missiles that could strike Guam from North Korea. And, and so that had kind of been a big thing in the news. And, uh, and I, it was the first time, first and only time I had the, the privilege and honor of reporting live on CNN, which was kind of a cool thing. Um, but the United States government flew B-2 stealth bombers uh, from their base in the United States out to Guam, landed them there. And, and the point that they were trying to make is if we can fly all the way from the United States to Guam, it's not a big stretch for us to fly from Guam and uh, do some damage in North Korea if we want to. And so and it was a very deliberate thing. Um, the, the Air Force actually asked me to come onto the base, and I think they even contacted CNN and said, hey, we'd love for you to cover this because they were trying to send a message to North Korea loud and clear. And so this is, this is all in the news. Well, Rochelle's students come to school, and they're scared because 
most of us have no idea what it's like to live in a place that's been occupied by a foreign power, but on Guam, they do, because during World War II, the island was occupied by the Japanese. And so these kids have grandparents that shared very vivid stories of what it's like to be occupied. And, and, and it, was, it was very, very traumatic to say the least. So these students come to school and they are really worried, really worried. Um, one of the, the, they're just first graders, so the stuff that they do doesn't have to make sense just in their own mind, right? But they were, they'd heard that there might be biological attacks and things like that. And so the students during recess were standing really close to the wall. One of the students had his nose pressed up against the wall, trying not to breathe. And so Rochelle had taught in, in uh, Christian schools up to this point. And the principal of the school that she was at was a very militant uh, atheist. The funny thing was he'd only hired Christian teachers because they taught better, in his opinion. <laughs> but, uh, but, he, but he was very clear with his Christian teachers, you keep that Jesus stuff out of the classroom. This is a public school. The law says that you can't, you can't do that, so don't do it. So Rochelle wanted to be a good teacher and do the, what to expect ever went to the principal and said, okay, so I know how I'd handle this in, in the Christian school that I came from. How do, what do I, what do I do with kids that are really ter terrified? And the principal was like, oh, just tell them that it's not likely to happen. And that, you know, that it'd be hard for North Korea to, they, 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 they can't, they, they're not going to fly here. They're not going to fly here. So Rochelle goes back to her classroom, passes on that encouraging message. Um, that you won't be surprised at absolutely nothing <laughs> to make the kids feel any better. In fact, one of the kids looked at Rochelle after she got saying, oh, you know, they, 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 can't, they, they can't fly here. And one of the, the kids was, looked at Rochelle and then one of the funniest and saddest things all at the same time said, but, but do they know how to swim? I don't think it's any surprise that since that time, since the early 2000s, we've started to see a huge rise in the anxiety and depression in children and teens. It's documented. Today, the second leading cause of death in teens is suicide. There is an epidemic of anxiety and depression amongst children and young people. And it's being recognized not just by churches, but in secular places. The May 2020 edition of The Atlantic had an article called What Happened to American Childhood? and examined research that showed increases of depression and anxiety that I mentioned, increasing uh, cases of suicide among children and teens. Uh, this lady, Dr. Claire McCarthy, is a primary care pediatrician at Boston Children's Hospital. She's an assistant professor of pediatrics at Harvard Medical School, senior editor uh, for Harvard Health Publications, and official spokesperson for the American Academy of Pediatrics. I'm just telling you that so you know she knows a little something about kids. All right. And she put an article out on healthychildren.org where she cites the reasons why she believes that these numbers are rising, why kids are not experiencing peace. She had three things that she pointed to. The first one, the first one is high expectations to succeed. Students 
and, and parents, listen to this a little bit different. I mean, I know all of us thought there were high expectations for us to succeed when we were young too, right? But I think the level has increased in ways that most of us are really unaware of. Like when I was in, 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 in academy, for me, B's and C's, okay. As one of my uh, high school teachers told me, the uh, school that you're wanting to, to, to go to only uh, requires two things to get into, a heartbeat and a checkbook. And the heartbeat is optional. Um, and, so, and so for me, the idea of getting into college wasn't a scary thing. But today it's different. If you can't get straight A's in school, it severely hampers your ability to get scholarships. It severely hampers your ability to, to get to where you want to be going as a student. And so the pressure to get grades is not just coming from parents. It's also coming from peers that are pushing each other. Oh, you don't know how to do... And so it's different today. I watch that with my children. I know the pressure that I put on my kids. Hey, you know, if you want to get scholarships, you're going to need to, you're going to got to do some things, right, Eric? I, I pick on you, right? I'm just saying I do that. I'm not saying Eric, Eric's doing great, so no, no pressure there. But you hear me, kids, the, the expectation it used to be in America that a C was considered average. It's not anymore. A C is failing for many people. It used to be that a C was really, honestly, because believe me when I say this, a C was meant you, you were doing average work. And an A was if you were amazing. That's not the way it is today. And we could bemoan grade inflation, whatever else we want to bemoan, but it is what it is, and kids are feeling it. The second thing that, uh, that Dr. McCarthy cites is the world being a scary place. Did anybody feel scared as they read the news headlines in the last day or two? Anybody feel a little concerned when they see uh, what China's doing when it comes to Taiwan? What's going to happen? Does anybody feel concerned uh, about, as you're thinking about sending your kids back to school, about all the, the school shootings that seem to just happen every, every, so much to the point that we don't even cover it anymore? Or we don't cover all of them anymore? It's only the ones that take a lot of people? And unlike when I was a kid, the way I got my news is if my dad was watching ABC and Peter Jennings. He turned on the television at six o'clock, and maybe if I was interested, I'd sit down and watch it. Maybe I'd look at a newspaper heading here or there. Kids today, news is right at their fingertips all the time, right? If they have a smart device, they know what's happening in the news. It's all over the place. It's inescapable. It's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And so our kids are more and more aware of what's happening in the world. They know that there's a recession. They understand that there's inflation. They understand how that could impact their life and what's going to happen to them when they do graduate. And if they don't get into that school and they don't get that job, will, they, will there be anything for them? And it, it creates an overwhelming amount of pressure in their lives. The third and final thing that was mentioned that Dr. McCarthy mentioned, I'll just say it was her, not me, social media. It's the third item that she believes is creating these uh, issues with anxiety. Um, it, to me, it seems to be no surprise, particularly when it comes with suicide, that we see as that you can almost graph social media when it begins and the increase in suicides in, in teens. Social media puts so much pressure on kids. 
you got, like, I try to keep my kids away from it. Oh, you're not, you're not going to have a smartphone. You're not going to do this. You're not, but they're surrounded by all their kids, their friends, their friends have them. And then their friends are like, oh, did you see what we put about you here? And there's, you know, and then your kids do get that. And it's, and there's like never before kids feel judged. They feel like their, their worth is dependent on the people that are judging them in the social media world. So I know what you're thinking right now. Thanks for the bummer sermon, Ken. (laughs) We kind of knew that already. Where are you running with this? I'm running right back to my first text. All your children shall be taught by the Lord, and great shall be the peace of your children. Young people, as you listen to that verse, that one is for you today, not just when Isaiah wrote it. God is speaking directly to you in this moment. And God is saying to you, I want to teach you. And if you let me, you will have great peace. It is no surprise to me that as Rochelle was trying to bring peace and comfort to children in a public school where she couldn't talk about her faith openly, that she found it difficult to pass on peace. Now, a few of you have heard that and you thought, I've got my kids in public school or I'm a public school teacher and you think, Ken's picking on me. I'm not. I'm grateful for public schools. It's one of the things that's made this country what it is. The fact that we all have access to education. So I'm not picking on public school. And if you put your kids in public school, I'm not picking on that. We all need to do what we need to do for our kids And I trust each one of you are making those decisions that you talk to God. So that's not me picking. It's also not me picking on public schools for not allowing teachers to share their faith. I am very grateful that that if my child is at a public school, that their Wiccan teacher isn't teaching their faith to my child. And if I don't want that, I have to be okay with the other two. But what I will say is that if you are in a public school setting as a parent, please think thoughtfully about how you're going to make sure that you're talking to your children about Jesus so they find peace as you talk to them about that and find that. And if you have your children in a Christian school, might I suggest that you not take for granted (laughs) that their teachers are talking to them about Jesus the way that you would want them to. As a parent, we are all primarily responsible for our children, not their teachers. It frustrates me to death when I hear people say, oh, that school let my child down and my child, maybe the child did, was let down by the school, but we're parents. We teach our children. We can move our children out of those schools if that's happening. Our children are our responsibility. Okay, as parents. All your children shall be taught by the Lord and great shall be their peace of your children. Why is that? It's for this reason right here. Paul says in Colossians 2, 3, in him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So when we want to talk about the big picture of education, if you really want to know true education, it's found in Jesus. Why? Because 
all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found in him. Some versions of the Bible actually translated in him are stored. And I kind of like that. All in him are stored, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And so if you need wisdom and knowledge, parents, if you need knowledge and wisdom, teachers, if you need wisdom and knowledge, students, turn your eyes upon Jesus because that's where you'll find it. Can I take a little tangent for just a second? We've created a society where we say that if you don't go to college, you've somehow missed out on everything. I'm a big fan of college, so don't hear me wrong. But I'm really grateful for the guy who came over to my house and took care of my plumbing recently. And I'm really grateful to the electrician that made sure that my house didn't burn down because of the old wiring. And I'm really grateful to those folks who came by my house twice this last week to pick up trash. Family, we need to understand that just wherever your calling is, is where your calling is. For some, that's gonna require a college education. For some, it's gonna require a different kind of education but nobody's worth more or less in God's sight. We're all God's children. And can we just be grateful that we have all these different professions? We need them all. You are worth something no matter what your profession is and no matter whether there are letters after your name. And I think it's worth taking a moment to explain something about this church. It's one of the reasons why in this church, we don't introduce ourselves as pastors, as Pastor Ken and, and Pastor this person or another. And we don't address those of us in our church who have a doctorate as Dr. So-and-so and Dr. Because in this church, you are you. You are not your career. So that's why if some of you feel a little weirded out when you go, I'm supposed to call you Pastor Ken, right? No, call me Ken. That's who I am. I happen to be a pastor as my vocation. And that means that we all are worth something no matter what we do. Our worth isn't determined by the amount of money we make from what we do it. Tangent done. All right. Now, my tangent not quite done. Kids, if your parents, if you go home and tell your parents, Pastor Ken said, I don't need to go to college. My tenure here is going to be short. Please don't do that. Listen to your parents. They're wise. They know you. Listen to them. All right? But if we're going to be taught by Jesus, I think it'd be worth knowing how Jesus teaches. And if as parents we want to teach like him, we should know what he does. And students, we should know how Jesus teaches so that we can approach our teachers looking for that kind of an education. So I want to talk to you about some things that I think come from the great educator, the one in whom is stored all wisdom and knowledge. Let's talk about some basic principles of Jesus education. The first thing that you need to know is that Jesus education is relational. Come follow me doesn't imply sit and memorize. It implies be with me. When Jesus chastised his disciples for not allowing the children to come to him. It was because they were pushing away from relationship and saying, no, 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 no. Jesus, your time is too valuable to be taken up 
in spending time with little kids. You need to be educating those of us who are older and, and can use that. And Jesus said, no, 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 you don't understand. The kingdom of God is for everyone, especially these little ones. So the first thing we need to understand about, about education is it's relational. So that means teachers, staff, you can't view your students as just another body in your classroom. They are a human being. In fact, they're not just a human being, but they are a child of God. If you knew you were educating the president of the United States child, how would you treat them? And if you wouldn't treat a child of God better than that, there's something wrong. Parents, have a relationship with your kids. Make sure that they know they can talk to you about anything and you're not going to freak out and punish them for being honest with you. Third thing, students. It is not all on the teachers and parents to do this. Relationship is a two-way street. I'm gonna give you a little tip I wish I'd learned a long time before I learned it. But when I was working on my master's degree, I was struggling in a class and I had a goal. I've been a really poor student through, through high school. And I really wanted to graduate with a 4.0 from my master's degree, it was a big deal to me. And I was struggling in one of my classes. And a friend of mine, a mentor said, you should talk to the teacher about that. I'm like, I'm just, why? What am I gonna tell them? He said, tell them you want an A. He said, I don't expect them to give me an A. He said, I'm not, I don't want you to tell them that. I just want you to tell them you want an A and you're willing to work for it. What do I need to do? It transformed my, my master's degree experience. Because from that moment on, I'd go to every teacher at the beginning of the class and say, hey, my name's Ken. I want an A in your class. I don't expect you to give me the A. I, I will work to earn it. I just need to know if there's anything I'm doing that's not helping me on that goal. And I would like for you to let me know. Again, I'm not asking you to give me anything. Just, I just want you to know I want an A. Would you please help me get it? I can't believe the reaction I got from those teachers. Oh yeah, absolutely. Let me, oh yeah, I'd love to help. You know, there's nothing students a teacher likes better than to hear a student who says, hey, I wanna try hard. Well, let me help you. Let me help you. Relationship, so important in education. And Jesus was all about relationship. Jesus also recognized that education is holistic and continuous. In other words, when we educate, we don't just educate one part of the person. We don't just think about academics. It's a bad thing for you just to stay at home and study all day long and never get out and do anything physical or not spend any time spending time with God. I can't tell you how many times I talked to the students that I taught at Middle Tennessee School of Anesthesia. I taught their religion class and I said over to them over again, you need a Sabbath. I don't care whether you're Seventh-day Adventist, you're Muslim or what you are, or if you're atheist, you need a Sabbath. You need 24 hours off. And they said, I don't, I had them at the beginning of the time. They said, oh, I don't know how I could do it. And I, and I pointed out students among them. I said, these students have told me it's okay for me to tell you they take 24 hours off. Are those the worst students in the class or the best ones? They're the best ones. You will do better with 24 hours off. You may not believe me, but trust me, try it out for a month and see if I'm wrong. And I had many students take me up on it and it was amazing to them how they felt like they actually learned better taking one day off a week. Holistic. Can you just imagine if all I ever did was work out my left leg? That's it? It'd honestly be worse to do that than just not working out at all. I would be unbalanced. It would, hurt, it would hurt parts of my body to be 
that way. We've got to be holistic. And we also have to recognize that, that our teaching is continuous, like this verse in Deuteronomy talks about. It says, teach all the time. Look at what it says. Basically, use every moment as, an, as a learning opportunity. Students, that means that you're not done with school when you get out of the classroom, whatever you may think. It means that there's things to be learned, practical things in everything that you're doing. Families, take time to talk to your kids about what's happening financially. Talk to them about what's going on in your life. Talk to them about the things that they need in education and that the school is not always going to be able to talk to them about in real and practical ways. The next thing we need to know about Jesus' kind of education is it is fearless. Parents, this one's especially for you. Can I just take a moment and say, please, 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 don't leave the job of educating your children when it comes to sex and finances to someone else. Please, 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 I beg you. I know it's uncomfortable. I know none of us like to talk about it. But can I tell you, having taught freshman Bible, freshman Bible in a high school setting, it blew my mind how many of those students had never been talked to about sex, but they sure knew a lot about it. I'm going to let you know, if you wait till they're in high school to talk to them about sex, they learned about it back in first grade or kindergarten. They just didn't get taught by you. They got taught by their friends. They got taught by the TV shows that are out there. They got taught by the, the magazines that are out there. They got taught. So we can go ahead and shirk our responsibility, or we can go ahead and overturn some money tables and say, this isn't the right way to be doing things. Let me go ahead and point some things out to you. Can I just say that my children have been in Bible classes in Seventh-day Adventist schools that taught things that horrified me? So you better believe I taught them when they came home. I don't agree with this, and this is why. Well, teacher says that. That's okay. I don't mind you being exposed to that idea, but I want you to think through it. Be fearless when you teach. Be fearless. Jesus was fearless. He wasn't afraid of ticking people off by telling the truth. The next thing is that great education encourages deep thinking. I love how many times if you look up this, you'll see Jesus says, what do you think? A lot of times in the gospels, what do you think? And this is one of them. What do you think, Peter? Peter has been asked by the Pharisees why, why Jesus isn't paying temple tax. And instead of giving the answer right away, Jesus said, what do you think? We give answers way too freely. Do you understand that people, when it comes to education, people never master a concept until they're able to answer the question themselves? It's not, when they give, it's not when they learn the information, it's when they're able to apply the information for themselves. That's when real education starts taking place. We need to ask a lot more questions and give a lot less answers. That's what good education looks like. The next thing that we need to be aware of is that great education looks to change the heart. It looks to change the heart. It's not, as, it's not interested in behavior modification. It's interested in heart transformation. Rochelle came home this week. She was a part of a worship service where a pastor came in and was talking to this, the staff um, about some experiences that he had had with his child. And one day his child had come home from school 
and they were talking about the school experience that their, this child was going to. It was in a Christian school. And the child said to dad, he said, the child said, dad, as long as I do what I'm supposed to, no one will ever ask me what's happening in my heart. That's terrifying because your behavior doesn't reflect your heart necessarily. And if you, if you want to think about that, think about the Pharisees and Sadducees, particularly the Pharisees who, who tied the smallest amount of their herb gardens and yet crucified Jesus. They could do all the right behaviors, but their heart was never transformed. It's the difference between Judas and Peter. Both of them denied Jesus. Both of them betrayed Jesus. But Peter had a heart that was transformed and Judas didn't. I'm not saying we don't want good behavior. We do. But let's not confuse good behavior for a heart that understands and has been transformed. I will take a child that is misbehaving but has a heart to grow over a child that does all the right things but doesn't have that heart. Because at least with the child that's misbehaving, you know what's going on. They're thinking. Maybe not the way we want them to, but they're thinking. So let's encourage that heart transformation. The final thing I want to tell you about God's and Jesus' education is this. It begins and ends with Jesus, period. Revelation 1.8, Jesus says, I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. I am the one who is, who always was, and who still is to come, the almighty one. True education is with Jesus. In a world that's turned upside down, where everything is more difficult than it was 50 years ago, in a world that is full of anxiety and depression, Jesus can be your peace, whether you are young or whether you are old. But you have to come to Jesus. And when I say come to that, I kind of mean more like come to the door and open it. He's already at the door knocking, okay? It's not like it's a long journey. In Jesus resides the answers to the depression and the anxiety that we are experiencing as a society. Jesus loves you. Jesus cares about you. And whatever's going on in the world, if Jesus is in charge of your heart, it's going to work out okay. All right, now is the time of the service where we get to respond to the sermon. And if you'd like to participate, whether you're watching online or you're here in house, just hop on our website, go to wholelife.church slash live, and you can even create a fake username. <laughs> if you're embarrassed about posting a question, don't be shy. Go for it. Um, we have a couple of things in here. Uh, in your sermon, you kind of touched upon that there's a lot of knowledge available. There's so much knowledge, but how do we spread wisdom? How do we spread wisdom? Um, well, firstly, the Bible tells us that Jesus is wisdom. Um, and so that's, that's the first step to understand that. Um, the other part is that there's, there obviously is the, uh, there's understanding something and then there's being able to apply it. Um, and to me, probably wisdom is, is knowing how to apply information. Um, and so one of the things that I, I think 
I feel pretty strongly about that's difficult for me with my own children is, is giving them the opportunity to fail. Mm. Um, because you really can't apply something until you have the opportunity to fail at doing it. And, um, and so I think that probably um, we tend to be a little bit risk adverse um, in, our, in our culture. Um, and I think that probably one of the things we have to, to do is understand that failure is, is not, not always bad. And in fact, mm. sometimes it's very helpful in the growth process. And so for me, wisdom is first and foremost found in Jesus. And then real wisdom is knowing how to apply the information that we have um, into meaningful, in meaningful ways. Mm. I, I have found failure to be a great educator, but it's so painful. And I really just don't <laughs> want my kids to go through that pain. Or um, I'm not necessarily an educator, but I think as a parent, you kind of automatically are. But I, I don't like that. <laughs> I'm with you. I don't either. Yes. Okay. So um, this one is kind of a dangerous question, um, but uh, <laughs> thanks for standing up. Which that I way. love. But uh, Jahemi asks, you know, to rescue a few from hopelessness and educational deprivation. How correct is it to support students from tithe for education? How? So anytime we talk about tithe, to me, I think it's a dangerous question. But um, <laughs> it, there's to rescue a few from hopelessness and educational deprivation, how, how important is it yeah. to use tithe for something like that? Well, within the Seventh-day Adventist Church, tithe is used uh, for education, for subsidizing education in many cases. Um, and so I would just say I think it probably depends on the... Um, I think it, it's up to my boss at the conference office <laughs> to decide... Uh, I think that, um, in all seriousness, uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with the way that Seventh-day Adventists do tithe, 100% of your tithe dollar goes to the Florida Conference here in Florida. If you were in a different area of the country, it would go to the conference there. So 100% goes there, and then they distribute the money um, to pay for pastor's salaries, to help out certain educational uh, things, evangelism, things like that. So then the remainder, so for a church like us to operate, let's just say that, you know, when, when we're supporting uh, students going to uh, various Adventist schools in this area, uh, the money that we get to do that comes because you give to your church budget. And that's not because you gave to your tithe. And, and this church does use uh, church budget funds to help kids um, go to Adventist schools in this area. I think it's safe to say that Adventists uh, in general value education because I believe we have the second largest um, Christian Yeah, the Seventh-day Adventist Church is the second largest parochial, which means religious school system in the world, uh, second to the Catholic school system. Um, and, um, and it's because one of the things that we've recognized is, is a good education is foundational um, to achievement in life. And it doesn't matter what you plan to be your vocation. You need a basic education to teach you the principles of, of how to learn and how to think and how to be that lifelong learner. Excellent. All right. Well, unfortunately, we are out of time. Um, so you can still submit questions, uh, and we do answer them in the podcast called This Is Whole Life, and that's available absolutely everywhere that podcasts are heard. This Is Whole Life. Check it out. It comes out Wednesday mornings. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, Stanley. Yeah. Let's bow our heads, family. 
Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that you are God that wants us to learn. You're not afraid for us to learn about science. You're not afraid for us to learn these things. Help us not to be afraid as we go about teaching. Help us to be open and allow uh, exploration. Help that exploration to be grounded in, in you. Uh, Lord, as this uh, new year begins for many, uh, this new school year, may it be a wonderful year. May uh, the students thrive. May the teachers thrive. May the schools thrive. No matter what schools and teachers and students those may be, we pray that your hand would be over. And we particularly pray for our family members that are involved in education. We pray in your name. Amen. All right, folks. I have never preached a sermon for singles before. No, really, I'm serious. Like, you think about it, how many times have you gone to a church and heard a, a sermon that was just for singles? And I know some of you are going to like, well, I don't need to come next week. I'm not single. Yeah, you do. You know someone who's single. So uh, if not your child, or maybe it's uh, a friend, but you should be here next week. It's going to be fun. Singles. See you then. Until then, you know I love you. Go love your world. Hi, this is Randy McGray podcast producer and host here at Whole Life Church. Loving people into a lifelong friendship with God is our mission at the Whole Life Church, and our podcasts, Speaking of Grace, and its companion, 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff, are designed to help facilitate conversations that help us grow together in that pursuit. Now that you've heard the message for this week, don't forget to check out the Whole Life Takeaways for this message. Swipe up in today's show notes and join the conversation. Speaking of conversations, each Wednesday morning we take a closer look at the week's message. That's right, the one you just listened to. We discuss practical ways to apply spiritual lessons and ask honest questions about the issues we face as Christians, all focused through the lens of grace. Your voice is a welcomed addition to that conversation. We encourage your thoughts and your questions by sending a voicemail or text to 407-965-1607 or send an email to podcast at wholelife.church. You can find everything podcast-related on our website, wholelife.church slash podcast. And plan on spending every Tuesday evening and Wednesday morning with us as we bring you the Whole Life Church inspiration you love straight into your headphones. Thanks for listening, and have a great week.